0: Okay, so listen, I, I'm so glad you're here. Those of you that are visiting, maybe first time, you're, you're gonna see something in our church. We really like each other, we really care for one another. Uh, we had our staff party, Pastor Johnny and I, and the rest of the elders and staff uh, Friday night, local restaurant. Everybody's been to the work party. Have you already, anybody been to Christmas parties already? Sometimes they're anemic, right? Sometimes, like, how soon can we leave? We had to kick people out of ours. Like, we were having such a good time. Laughed till our stomachs hurt. Like, it was just such a good time. It's always good to be with people you love. So if you're looking for a community that's connected, we're connected. If you're looking for a uh, church community that is not going to get close to you, you better go someplace else, because that's who we are. We connect, we love, we serve, uh, we do life with one another. And uh, it is really my honor today to talk about this book right here. The Gospel Lens, um, a real book. I, a lot of times, pastors write books, and they're like, they're not real books. They're like booklets, okay? This is a book, okay? This has some stuff in it, all right? Uh, and this was written by Dr. Johnny Griffin right here. So, so first book written by our elders. By God's grace, a few more coming. Um, we have Johnny Pastor Johnny would be in the back afterwards. QR code back there. You can hit it. It was was probably up here a second ago if y'all put that back up. Uh, Or you can hit it in the back. Uh, Amazon's almost sold out of the paperbacks. They have some hardbacks left. It's a really good book. Give us two reasons why they need to buy this book, Johnny.
1: Thank you, brother. Uh, Yeah, so this book, um, really, it's it's a pair of glasses um, that I'm just asking you guys to put the gospel of Jesus in front of your eyes. I was talking to uh, somebody at the last service and she was saying, you know, when you put on glasses, they're the first thing that you see through. It's the first thing that is there in front of your eyes. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we want that to be the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come after sinners and broken uh, people just like me, just like you, And he came to seek and save the lost. And that's what this book is talking about. So the beginning of this book, I basically just lay a gospel foundation, just looking at Ephesians chapters one and chapters two. I just love Ephesians. And so I was like, hey, if we're gonna talk about the gospel, let's just go straight to the word. And then the rest of the book is narrative driven, where I interviewed uh, various people from our church. And so when you read their stories, you can be like, oh, I know that person. Oh, I know that person. Oh, that's their story? Um, and so we talk about some heavy heavy things in the book. We do, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we have a chapter on uh, self-talk. How do you preach the gospel to yourself daily? Yeah. We have a chapter on uh, porn addiction. How do you address addictions in your life through the gospel of Jesus? We have a chapter on same-sex attraction. You. How do you look at that topic? through the lens of Jesus Christ, Uh, marriage, parenting, uh, divorce, remarriage, and suffering. And so those are kind of some of the topics that the book covers. And again, it's all stories from our church that what has God done, what has Jesus done in these various aspects. And then the, the, the last part of the book's my favorite part. I just Spend some time meditating on the final moments of Christ's life, so His time in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the cross, in the empty tomb, and the implications of the resurrection of Christ. And so that—that's basically the book in a nutshell. Uh, I pray that it blesses you, that it encourages you in your in your walk with Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you. 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 So as uh, Dr. Griffin there is author and physical therapist. This past weekend, we had our men's retreat. It was stinking awesome. We had such a good time. There's 20 minutes left in the retreat. All I had to do was get to my car. And so I, I, I did a man thing. Honey, I'm sorry. Um, I put a giant bag on my shoulder and a cooler in my hand. And I got to <laughs> wives in the audience already going, yeah, we know what you did. Got to the edge, hit the top step, my foot went out, and my feet tried to touch my rear end. So it was really awesome. Um, Johnny was right there, Mike was right there. So I had Graydon, who did the an announcements, was right in front of me. And the pain was so overwhelming, I knew I was going to pass out. So I'm just focusing on Graydon. So Graydon was the last one I saw. He's the first one that I saw when I came back. So now I call him father. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, that's, you know, it's just how it works. Um, but these, these men were right around me, and Pastor Johnny, his hand was on my shoulder. He just quietly began to speak to me. Not like, what'd you do? And what happened? He was just like, how are you feeling? What's going on? Mike's, they both have great bedside manner. Like, just, it's like they were petting me. Like, he's okay, buddy. How you doing? And uh, yeah, the pain was just off the chart. Uh, Zach, Zach, I almost said Zach Efron. Zach, <laughs> Zach in the back drove me home. And, and it was, here's, look, I, I, didn't want to br- I didn't want to bring the cane out uh, because it shows weakness. And I struggled with that all week. And we had two parties to go to. And I'm like, I almost need to bring my walker. I'm, I'm a little bit better now. I'm like, I don't want to do that because, you know, lead guy, you're supposed to be pastor. And I'm a type A guy and all that. And the Lord's like, really? Like after 20 years of walking with me, you're trying to be the man. Like I'm the man. I'm the one. Be weak so I can be strong. This is where we're headed today in Advent, okay? So Advent for me has always been um, in my mind because I'm from Western North Carolina. Way up in the mountains, way up in hillbilly country, Everybody I knew had a truck and a dog, Uh, lived out in the country. It was fantastic. Christmas time means snow. Those of y'all from Texas, you can Google that. It's white stuff. It comes from the sky. It's cold. You can you can slide on it. It's really, it's awesome. And so we would have uh, a big meal, and my parents would always, and they decorated the house to the nines, that we would invite uh, friends and family over Christmas Eve. We'd have a Christmas Eve service, and I can remember several where literally we walked out, it's snowing. It's very Norman Rockwell, okay? So that. That's in my mind. We also had Advent. Advent was a thing that I saw for so many years. It got, honestly, a little rote. It just got a little boring for me. And, okay, da, 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 and we walked through the things and light the candles and all that kind of stuff. Um, when I was studying Advent this year, I just looked at the order of things, and I thought, we need to rearrange this just a little bit because the Bible is very clear that if we don't have love, nothing else counts. Right? Like, if we don't... So, you... I'm not going to name any names, but you can think of pastors right now that have a strong word and can preach the gospel. I know some of those guys. Some of them do not love, which means it doesn't count. It means they're doing something for themselves, and you can say all the right things and not have love, and it doesn't count, and we're in danger of one day hearing, depart from me, I've never known you. Yeah, but I did all these things, Lord. Depart from me. I never knew you. So the love is, is, is paramount. It's so important, this agape love. Um, what happens is you and I, uh, we're going to see from Scripture today, Romans 5, that by faith we're saved, right? Well, it, it's not faith that you manufactured. It's faith that was imputed to you. Okay? Picture a kid, me growing up, uh, little little church in North Carolina, pews, stained glass, choir, and robes, the whole nine yards. And when it came down to offering time, because we had passed the plate, a lot of us come from that church. My mother would like give me a quarter or a nickel <laughs> or a dollar. And I remember once or twice saying, Can I keep this? And my mother's like, You will not. You're to give that away. And and so Faith has been given you, it's been imputed to you. And with that faith, you're saved. So you're saved by God through a gift he's given you so that he can give you a greater gift. And that gift is salvation. And the core of that salvation gift is phenomenal and overwhelming love. We can't understand the rest until we understand the love. It's serious, it's real. And then from that love, when you're loved well, picture, um... God, I'm showing my hillbilly roots today in so many ways. Picture you being on a farm and uh, uh, you're, you're a stray dog and you've been living outside and you've not had a good meal in a long time and nobody really loves you, been beat a few times, pushed away from stores or whatever. And you find this farm that begins to like wave at you a little bit bring you in, put some food out and you begin to be fed and you begin to be given something to drink and maybe somewhere to stay. And you begin to comprehend the fact that you are loved. And this is what God has done for us. He has reached out to you. You are the stray dog. I am the stray dog. And God the Father has said, you are welcome on my property. Not only are you welcome on my property, you are welcome in my house. And not only are you welcome in my house, you are welcome to the best seat. Okay? You're welcome to the best seat. This is the overwhelming love. Now, what happens to any organism that is loved? It grows. Okay? A plant grows when it's loved. My wife and I know that because we've killed all our plants. Kids grow in every way, physiologically, emotionally, psychology, spiritually, when they're loved. People change when they are loved. And Christians, listen to me. When you have been loved well, what begins to happen in you? First, you deny it. Well, I'm sure the Lord loves everybody else, but if everybody knew where I came from, everybody doesn't matter. Only the one that knows where you came from matters. And he already knows all your stuff. And he looks at you and he says, I'm loving you right now. I love you right now. I am outside of time-space continuum. I am not bound in your little intricacies of your tiny life. I am Jehovah God. I am here and I love you from the beginning to the end. I knew you since before you were born. And that begins to do something to our heart. I'm watching y'all right now. As I was studying this week, the same thing, like you begin to, Oh, okay, yeah. Man, I'm loved. What happens to a loved person? They begin to love others. It's a natural thing. You have to do it. When we're given something by God, we're always called to give something by God. And this is just how he's created us. It's, it's our best lives, okay? Osteen should have written that book. Receive God's love, give God's love. That's all you need to know. All right, so when we are loved, can't keep it, if you keep it and you choose not to love others, you need to question your Christianity. You need to question, really, if you know the Jesus that died for you, that died for me. But when people are loved, they can't help it. It's the Grinch You stole Christmas story. It's the Scrooge story. It's all the stories of grace that people are angry and and and. and Distorted and disheveled, or whatever adjectives you want to use, and then they are loved well. They are filled up with love, and what happens is love must be poured out. Okay, so we we can't walk in this truth until we know that we've been loved. Now, what happens to people that are loved is they begin to experience something called peace, shalom. Now. It is, look, if you look at the definition of shalom in the Greek, it's multifaceted. It's like 15 things. It talks about war and peace. It talks about people, families. It talks about physiological, emotional, spiritual. It is multifaceted. It is not just your physical rest. So if you've gotten to the Christmas holidays or your last day is a week and a half or whenever and you're going to have some time off and you're like, I can finally rest. Let me tell you, Christian, if you just rest physically, you've missed it. That shalom is physical rest and it is emotional rest. Ste- stepping, stepping aside from things that are beating you down right now. It is spiritual rest. Lord, Lord, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, no, son, be still. Come on, get a seat by the fire. Here's a warm drink. You're safe here. Be still. Experience shalom. You can't experience shalom if you haven't experienced agape love. All right? Now, what happens when people finally get into this place of real peace is your, your objective capacity changes. When we're under stress, when we're under pain, when we're under issues, you're firing like you're at war, okay? You're firing like every crisis, you're in the middle of it, and that's the only circumference you're a part of. Um, when you're at peace, you make better decisions. Can we agree on that? When you're in irritation, when you're in anger, when you're in fear, when you're in anxiety, when you're in sadness, when you're in grief, when you're in suffering, you don't make good decisions, all right? So what the Lord is calling us is he's not saying, hey, change. He's saying quietly, hey, I'm loving you right now and I'm going to love you forever and I'm not going to stop. You're the cheater, you're the liar, you're the one that runs. I don't cheat, I don't lie, I will not run. I'll only run to you. And that love begins to change us and we walk into that space of shalom and all of a sudden we're seeing things differently. Amen? Amen. We're seeing things differently. Now when we can see things differently, the next thing that happens is hope presents itself. We'll see from scripture today, hope is not, I hope that steak is hot. I hope that Star Wars movie isn't stupid. I hope my mother doesn't say anything crazy at the Christmas table. Like that's not, that's not hope. That's, that's a desired outcome that you can't control. Best definition is of hope. If we try to keep it super simple, is a promise that has been made and already kept since before you were born. So you you you're walking into a hope that's already been established. God is not saying, okay, let's see what you do, see how you act. The Trinity's judging you. We give you a seven for last week. Trinity is saying, we're all for you. We love you. We're here with you. God with us. So we'll hit Romans 5, 1 through 5. A lot of y'all know this passage. Some of y'all maybe you've never heard it. And this is gonna be really, really, really good news. It's gonna show you some pieces that connect. So you can open up your laptop, your iPad, your phone, your hard copy Bible. I see several of those. Blessed be the name. Hopefully you can see in here, it's as dark as a club. So um, let's study scripture. Let's pray and we'll go to work. And, And listen, you pray also that God will speak to you. All right, a lot of churches, a lot of in here. A lot of us have come from a place where we're the "I know" theology guys. Don't be that. Say literally your prayer right now. Open my eyes that I might see, Lord. Show me some things I haven't seen before. This is God's story. God, share with us your story. We want to know more details. How many of y'all there that are married or have really close friendships that you've known that person for a while and you discovered something different about them this year? Good or bad, raise your hand. Some of y'all are like, hmm. Someone was like, wow, I didn't know that you liked that. Wow, I didn't know you could do that. Well, God is loving us and changing us from the inside. So um, let, let me pray real quick. Lord, Romans 5 1 through 5, you wrote this. It offended a lot of us before we became Christians when we thought we were. But now, those of us that are walking with you, this is such good stuff. You wrote it to a very hard people. And Lord, we can be a very hard people. So open our eyes that we might see you, we might hear you, we might walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Enberg, we see you. Those of you that are watching online, we see you. Hey, Mom, I see you. Love you. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, Paul says, therefore, since we Christians, not everybody, okay, those that are called It's not a blanket statement that everybody gets this, okay? It is called. It's those of you right now where your hearts are sensitive and tender and you're hearing and you're sensing God. Some of y'all, you don't feel that way. You really got to question who you are in Christ, okay? I don't question. That's not my place. But I'm just telling you, it will not be enough to be religious one day. Won't be enough. And that scares the living heck out of me to think that I could stand before the Father and hear, apart from me, I've never known you. Check your heart. Understand who loves you, how you respond. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been saved, that's justified, by faith, which is trust, okay, imputed faith, that's given to you like we talked about. You, you didn't have any faith in God before, since before he called you. You, didn't, you had no faith. In fact, you only had faith in yourself. You had faith in your flesh. You had faith in your mind. You had faith in your degrees. You had faith in your 401k. You had faith in your beautiful spouse and your idle kids, everything. You had faith in that. This is a faith that saves. It's given to you for us to give back to God. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have shalom, not just rest. We have have multifaceted, deep shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified through faith given to us by God. Why did God justify you? Some of y'all are smiling. Daniel smiled. I see some of y'all smiling. Why? Why? Why did God justify you? Because you're a bunch of filthy sinners. And I'm your leader. Okay? That's who we are. That's who we are. It's the only safe place we can identify ourselves. All right, so we're going to see later. We rejoice in affliction. So we rejoice in pain because why? why did God justify you? Two reasons. And they're in this order. First, for his own glory. He's the only being that can glorify himself and it not be a sin. You glorify yourself, it's a sin. It's called self-righteousness. It's the worst sin in the Bible, by the way. When God glorifies himself, it's glorious, it's perfect, it's wonderful, it's true, it serves us. You know why? Because he glorifies himself, he chooses to love us. Why did he justify you? Because he loves you. Yeah, he loves you, you're the problem, and he's the answer. This is what we're going to see in a minute, we only boast in one thing. We covered 1 John 4, 7 a couple weeks ago. Um, dear friends, let us, and hear it this way, so it should be on the screen. Dear friends, let us agape one another because agape is from God and everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. So we can't say, I love, it's real and we all understand love. All of us don't understand love. Statistically, there are non-believers in here. You don't understand love. You understand visceral love. You understand hormonal love. You understand loyal love. Okay, I'm not saying that non-Christians aren't loyal. They can be. I'm just saying the love you experience in your flesh is here. And it's important. I love it too. I like it. I like that love. But it's not agape love. That's a whole nother thing. It's a greater thing. It's a forever thing. For everyone who agape has been born of God and knows God. conosco intimately knows God. Radical agape love. This radical agape love does what, remember? It welcomes us. It invites us into that atmosphere, that space of shalom. Okay? Godly peace is only found through Christ. First two. We, you and I, have also obtained access... I love access, okay? Access is uh, showing up to a restaurant that's packed, and somebody you know goes, "Come here, I got a table for you." Access is having capacity to, I don't know, um, renew your driver's license online. I think that's access. I love it. OK? Thank you, COVID. You know, um, access is walking in to a church, the Ecclesia and already being a part of something that's greater than yourself. I can take you right now to churches I know around the world and we can walk in right now and we will serve the same God and we will worship the same Jesus and we will sing songs and we will care for one another because we have access through Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him into this grace in which we stand, huge word, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, imputed free gift of faith, Gives what? Grace. So listen, you're struggling. The fact, and it's a fact, that you're a sinner. When I meet with people, a lot of times people will say, "Pastor Tom, I just, I just feel, I feel, like, I feel dirty, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a sinner." And I say to them, "Just let me affirm that thought. You're dirty, and you're a sinner, and we start from there, and then we go to agape, love." And then we walk into this shalom. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in the salvation that's been given you, stray dog. Boast in the salvation that's been given you, filthy person. Boast in the grace that's been given you. It won't be taken back. There's freedom for you to work out your stuff in real gospel communities because we hold something and we're gonna get to it, is the hope of Jesus. It's the anchor. It's not if you if you feel like loving Jesus and He's gonna say thanks for loving me and then you leave and then it doesn't work that way. You're bought through blood. Our anchor of hope, all to the glory of God. Definition of hope again, it's a clear understanding of a secured promise of eternity. So you were born into that promise. There was a space where you were saved. But understand, somebody said right before we're talking about time, space, continuum, that when we pray, it's actually a symphony to God because he hears all the prayers from you at the same time. He hears the first prayer you've ever prayed, the simple ones, the great prayers that we get to pray with our kids when they're little. You know, we're leading them into that space. And he hears the last prayer. He hears the prayer of anxiety and the prayer of suffering. He hears the, hopefully by God's grace, the last prayers we pray. Lord, take me home. I am ready. I am ready to see your grace, not just experience it. I am ready to hear your voice, not just read it. That's hope. And I wrote my notes after that. But wait, there's more. Like you know, for nineteen ninety-five you get to get this one gallon of glue, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Verse three, and not only that, not only these things, we boast in Christ, we receive love, we give love, we 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 allow ourselves into a place of shalom and and let me tell you this, Christian, a lot of y'all can be saved and you, you choose not to walk in that room. So justification is only by God. He's the one that saves you. You didn't save yourself. But there is some free will responsibility and sanctification in the daily life of you picking up your cross and you choosing to follow Jesus and you walking into the room of shalom. When you say, I'm not worthy of it, or you say, I have some other things to do, or you say, I don't need that, you're disregarding a beautiful gift that's been given you by God. Americans are so guilty of this. We work and work as a... As a as a badge of of awesomeness, where really it's just a badge at that level of work of addiction, okay? We need to be able to boast in the fact that we spend time with Christ. What'd you do this weekend? you get a lot done? (laughs) Went for a walk with my children, took a long nap, sat on the back porch and looked at the grass as my dog looked at me. That's what I did, okay? That's a space of shalom right there. Not only that, but we also boast in our... Ah, uh, dang it, here we go. Our afflictions. So we boast in Christ and the only thing else we're allowed to boast in is afflictions. Because we know that affliction, pain, suffering, some of y'all are in that space right now, like you're in it every day, you're in it a lot and it feels like, it's, you feel like you've always been there. Because we know that if affliction Produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. We boast in the hope of Christ, and we also boast in our afflictions or we brag, right? Um, what did we boast of in the previous verses? Our faith, our hope, our love in Jesus. I said, that's all we got. So really what we're doing when we're boasting in our afflictions, we're boasting in the fact that the God of the ages who has promised us and already kept the promise, the anchor that is there before we were born, when we were saved and after we're saved and all the stuff we've done in between, that the anchor is there. We're boasting in the presence of the anchor of hope. And we're staying there and we're like, yeah, that's where I come from. i hold on to the anchor. This is where I am right now. Waves are just killing me. I hang on to this anchor right now. In Jesus' name, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Second Corinthians 10. In Jesus' name. Sometimes there's gale force. And I know, and it's a worthy prayer to ask my family. We prayed it too, like, Lord, can we have a respite? I think God in his economy does that. But there are moments of hard affliction for all of us. We boast in our hope, secured promise in Christ. Here's a statement I'll make to you. Hope is greater than any affliction. Hope is greater uh, than your hard relationship right now. Hope is greater than your child's sickness. Hope is greater than your parent's cancer. Hope is greater than your porn addiction. Hope is greater than the issues that you have. Hope is greater than your suffering. It is greater. And when we say, yeah, yeah, we got the hope, but I'm gonna handle this affliction on my own. This is when we drown and horrible choices are made. This is where my counseling schedule is filled with people that are saved, that know Jesus. Like, nah, I know I'm loved, yeah, I got it, but I'm gonna... I need to make this happen. I can't trust these people. I, I can't share with anybody, which means you can't love anybody, which means you're in sin. You're stealing from God. He's given you a gift. You've called to give it away. Um, hey, I know i peace. Yeah, I get it. Shalom, pastor, Tom, whatever. And you never go into that space. So you never relax. You never get rest. Your decisions that you think are super sharp are actually extremely dull. You're the butter knife. And you think you're the, You're the razor. And then you never have hope. And you have hope here. You can define it. You got the verses. Maybe it's even on your wall. But you don't have the hope. And we're going to see in a minute that character has to be proven. You got to prove that you have that hope. How? Let's read on. Let's break this down. Afflictions are painful. Afflictions are horrible. They... They, listen, they're so bad. When I fell down the steps, and that was a minor affliction as to where a lot of you guys have been and gone. The pain was so intense, as I was about to black out, I literally was just trying to hold on to something. Uh, As I came out of that, the next three or four or five days, like even last night, it was such crazy pain. I'm having like flashbacks to it. Some of y'all understand that. And I've never, I haven't had one in a long, 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 long time. So it, when you go through pain and horror and affliction, after a while, you really have to figure out uh, psychosomatically how to separate it and put it in a safe place. But when it's just happened, car wreck, somebody's just left, problem, issue, news from the doctor, it, it, it'll grab you several times a day. And I think, I, th- I think the Lord allowed some of that in my error me to experience that so I can greater understand pain. Because if we, listen, how we love is through pain. How we love is through affliction. You cannot be a lover of people's souls when you have not suffered, church. You cannot be. We all know those people. They've really never had anything happen to them. It's kind of been easy, their lives. And so their affliction is light. Your love tends to be light too. Now look, I, I'm not saying you, you you pray for affliction. I know I don't. I don't like it. I don't want it. I, I'm praying for a season of respite right now. But we have to learn from it. It's from our pain that we learn to love others. Those of you that have had major health issues with your children, I've watched y'all love differently. Because the, the most important things to you have been, have been in danger. All right? Afflictions are painful, but afflictions produce endurance. Endurance, that's a good word. You wanna wanna say, yeah, I I, uh, have high endurance. You wanna say that. But you really don't wanna say that because where endurance comes from is what? Pain. If you have endurance as a runner, it's come from a lot of pain running. If you have endurance as a weightlifter, it's because you lift a lot of weights. If you have emotional endurance, Endurance is because you've been emotionally stretched almost beyond capacity. Affliction produces endurance. And and dude, endurance is tough. It's very hard. Like it's not not easy to experience it. I'll tell you this. I I work with quite a few soldiers. A lot of y'all are here. We got some combat guys and gals here in the room right now. No real soldier ever talks about combat. I don't believe some of the stories I hear from people that have written books because I know too many combat vets and they are strong, tough, like people you wanna have around you if something happens. And I've watched those men as they begin to talk about stuff and their need, begin to shake, their voice changes. I've watched people that have endured ridiculous abuse as children or teenagers and they're strong and and they have amazing capacity now and they've done great things and then when they're talking about that abuse or that pain or that issue, they become a little kid right in front of you. Your endurance is gonna come from pain but this amazing endurance that you have of pain is gonna allow you to identify with other people in the body that are experiencing pain. It makes you the one to go to. It makes us as the church the ones that should be open about our affliction the most, so that those who are afflicted have a place to go. They have no place to go if all the churches are yay, happy, happy, joy, joy. We're fantastic. Have a cup of coffee on the way in, and everybody's just gonna happy here. We're all good. It's garbage. Endurance is tough. It's not for the faint of heart. It's for adults. And endurance produces character. Or does my family in the South say character? Does a man have character, son? I don't know, Dad. I think he does. He wears a tie. I don't know. I didn't know what character was when I was a kid because i had never experienced any pain. I didn't understand affliction. Therefore, I didn't know what character looked like. Now I do. Now, now I see a lot of you and how you've handled things. I see some of the babies even hugged this morning that were in dire straits just months ago. And now they're safe and they're healthy. Man, that's affliction. And it builds in you character, right parents? Character, character are horrible scars on your back and your face and your legs and your arms. But when somebody's hurt physically, you're very jumpy about being hurt again. When somebody's hurt emotionally or spiritually, you're, you're, you have a hair trigger. You can see things, you can smell things, you can sense things differently. And in that capacity, if you stay in your flesh, you become bitter and angry. But if we're walking in this agape love, you become a sheepdog. You become a caregiver. You become somebody that watches over others. You become a shepherd That's what God has called us to be. Endurance produces character. And proven character, that's what Scripture says, proven. You have to prove it. How do you prove it? You have to be open about your afflictions. You know, it's not your war stories, but as we're going through things together, we need to talk to each other about things we're going through. And uh, you and I, we're going to see in a minute, this has an incredible value of what it does with those around us. Proven character all proven character is, you ready? Those of you that have proven character, and a lot of you do in the room, it's just a giant badge of pain. That's all a purple heart is, right? That's all a silver star is. It's not like, look how awesome I was. It was like, I was in a place where people died, and I'm still here. I did things that put my life on the line, and I'm still here. That's affliction. So if we're gonna lead church with this proven character... We're volunteering for a giant badge of pain. It's not easy. Here's the end result. This is what we're talking about today. Character, scars on your back, scars on your heart. In Christ, listen, the scars, the character poured over with God's agape love, taken care of in an atmosphere of shalom, anchored to the hope that is in Christ alone. Character produces it makes hope. That's what production means, right? Now, when I read this, and I think all of us do, and this is verse five, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. Because, you know, I, I was heavily affirmed as a child. Thank you, mom. Because I was told, you can be anything you wanna be. Was anybody told that? The truth is, you can't be. I couldn't be an astronaut, Okay. And I wasn't made to understand algebra, all right. So I could not be anything I wanted to be. Amen. All right, I, I could not, I'm not that guy. There's spreadsheet people in here. I I, I bless God for you, okay, because it's it's an exact science to me. I always thought this scripture was about me, and it it is about you. The hope that you're anchored to, it's not going to you're not going to come loose. It's not gonna be like, well, there's strong hope yesterday. There's not that much hope today. It's not, you, it won't disappoint you. It will never disappoint you. And you know who else it will not disappoint? Follow me on this. If agape love is a gift to be given and shalom is a gift to be invited to, like come join us in rest, come join us in peace, then godly hope is also something to be given. It's something to be, to be shown. It's a, a guy said to me a couple months ago, I was at the gym. This dude's such an athlete, such a stud. He's a good looking dude, but he doesn't know Jesus. And here I was hobbling in before my surgery. I'm hanging out with him. And I'm like, he's like, Pastor Tom, whenever I'm around you, I just feel like you got something that's different. I'm like, you're the one with an eight pack, bro. Well, he, listen, the physical things, like he was hungry for something else. What was he hungry for? Not my chubby butt, okay? Not my limp. He was lifting more weights than me. He's bigger than me. He's faster than me. Um, he was looking for something that fills. He was looking for hope. And he saw, he saw hope in me. And that's great. Listen, I, that's hard for me to even say because I want to join you guys and say like, no, everybody else knows how to do things about me. Listen, I boast in my afflictions. I have major issues. So I boast and I brag in those because the bottom of that brag is the hope in Christ. It's all I have. And that's what my my buddy Jim was looking for. Hope will not disappoint you and it will not disappoint those you're around. Because it's not you you're giving You're showing an anchor in the one true God, the only Messiah, the only Savior. There's not multiple ways to God. There's one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. And that's it. And some of us are going to jail for that soon. I'm just telling you. you Better be ready. Got to be the real church. The real church is is the only entity, the only body that has real love to give, real peace to offer, and real hope to hang on to. Amen? Let's pray, and communion team, y'all, come on down. Lord, I just love you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just, right now, Lord, the saints rejoice. We just love you so much. We thank you, Lord. Uh, We praise you. We we honor you. Uh, We thank you that you are the eternal lover of our souls, and you will not stop. We thank you that you offer us a, a, uh, a place to go where we can receive shalom, physical peace, physical, emotional peace, spiritual peace, rest, recollection. In that space, we make better decisions, Lord, we're able to look around us and see that you're our only hope and that you offer yourself as an anchor to your people. So we thank you for that. Just lift up communion right now. Uh, bless your people as they're praying and talking to you themselves this is a holy place your will be done amen and amen, amen. church Jesus